0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Grammy Award-winning South Carolina-based jazz musician and producer Quentin Baxter. He opened up about his new 2022 CD, Art Moves Jazz. He comes from a family of drummers with his mother leading the troupe. He is a much-celebrated jazz cat with many roads behind him and many roads ahead of him. He covers his history, COVID life, and the future. Enjoy this interview.
1: What's up? How are you? Hey, good, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm actually, I'm here in California right now. Hopefully you can hear me. I have to have you on speakerphone because I'm driving right
2: now. Yeah, no, you're fine. I actually just uh, went on vacation about two weeks ago to San Diego. Oh, nice, nice. So, yeah, it's beautiful out there. Well, hey, thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. uh, Thank you
1: for, uh, for checking out the music and, you know... And writing about it. I really appreciate that. I heard you uh, you had a chance to tra- chat with Troutman yesterday.
2: Yeah, I did, yeah. And I profiled both of you um, on my shows in the last couple of weeks, so I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about Art Moves, Jazz, and everything related to your world. Okay, great, great. That's us jump in. So the, the, the new album, you know, its coming out during this time of, you know, the world's opening up, we've gone through COVID. How relieving is it to have this album out now? Uh,
1: It's relieving in so many ways because, you know, timing is one thing, but the time it took for me to even just get it done and, you know, we dove into this stuff during COVID, you know, and um, it was really paying attention to more skill sets, but also just jumping in and, and getting the project done, you know. Um, this project itself, Art Moves Jazz, was something that's been around for a while for me, but finally getting the music with the quintet and getting it in the studio and getting it done and releasing it, it's just like giving birth to something that took a long time to give birth to.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about how you put these songs together. How did you orchestrate the assemblage of this album? Um, The concept
1: of the music itself stemmed from my inspiration... The artwork that went along with it. Um, so initially, uh, John Duckworth is a good friend of mine, and this, his artwork was up in one of my favorite restaurants in Charleston. It was called Fig, acronym for Food is Good. I just started approaching my own personal solos, because at the time we were playing some standards and some originals, but, you know, with jazz, you can approach your solos in a way that, that inspires you the most, and a lot of times, visual art, will will inspire my approach to certain things. So that went into wanting to do a show centered around the artwork. And at the time, the orchestration, the band was a trio, tenor, sax, bass, and drums. But I wrote a lot of the music ahead of time, and some of it was inspired when we got into the space because the whole thing was to project the the, the artwork on a nice large screen above the trio. And so over the years, I've actually fleshed it out. The orchestration kind of made sense to actually add piano and trumpet to it. And um, this is the end result. And even then, some of it came, once I showed some of the guys in the band in the studio the artwork of Winter, and Winter became one take. (laughs) You know, it was like the cats actually got it. They understood what I was dealing with. And most of the, the guys in my band are from Charleston, so they understood what the mood and the mode of Charleston is like. We don't really get snow, but it does get cold every now and again. Everything slows down, and you know, and then there's a specific time in the winter um, on New Year's Eve where we have watch night, and that's a, that's a mode that we all were able to,
2: to tap into, so it was great. What are you hoping the listener
1: gets from this album? For specifically for the sweet art jazz, I hope they I hope they get just a liberated, um, a liberated feeling of just following the melody, and everything else is accompanying that. Like I want them to be able to not know why, but just hum certain parts of these melodies and even some of these solos. But but I think the melodies are hummable. They're you know they're accessible, and I wanted the entire album to be accessible. I wanted them to understand that art and jazz are both accessible if you if you just really just dig it dig on it on a in a normal way. And, um I actually had to use um uh, some of my larger influences with um uh, you know compositions of Bologna Smok and Jimmy Heath and Bobby Watson. I mean all of that follows a, a thread of influence for me um compositionally as 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 a as well as the arrangements themselves some of the arrangements i did right there on the spot some of them we were playing for a period of time but still even the arrangements a lot of the guys because they're so used to playing these songs in certain ways you put the arrangement in front of them and then they're like what's going on here but if i sung every time i sing the melody to them and show them what's happening with the arrangement it's just the the best way I could put it on paper but it's still very lyrical and singable and all you gotta do is follow the melody and you won't be lost ever (laughs) so you know I I want people to dance I want people to have fun with this music I want them to actually be you know you can be as serious as you want and listen to it and be you know thinky about it but if you're gonna be thinky still be still be self reflective and spiritual you know um
2: absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. what I want all music to be. You know, that's my preferred style and type of music to listen to. The same song that you can actually dance to and cook some cook some food and pop a bottle of wine and drink the wine and enjoy. is the same when you could sit down at dinner, listen to it and have the wine. <laughs> you know, it's like that whole experience.
2: You grew up in South Carolina, a family of drummers. Talk to me a little bit about you know, kind of some of your early influences and how music became and jazz became your focal point.
1: Absolutely. I I grew up specifically in Charleston, South Carolina. It was the low country. And um, I grew up as, so I'm a church musician, you know. I'm a gospel musician. It's my, my first music ever played. And I grew up playing in church. I don't remember not playing music. I have two older brothers and one younger. Um, and my mom and dad is still with me and are still together. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But my mom's actually the drummer in the family. She taught my dad to play. Um, but in my mom's day, you know, women playing drums or drum set, you know, and, you know, in the churches, it was an issue because, you know, they couldn't open their legs to play a snare drum between it. They had to keep their legs closed. They had to mm-hmm. maybe even cover it, uh, cover the, the, the dress even with something else. So she had four boys, and certain things she never really had to do again. One was take out the trash. She, uh, uh, she never had to wash the car. You know, if we were with her, she never had to pump gas in the car. But as we all came of age, the only time she felt like she needed to play the drums was when something in the corner of the church, mainly me, if I'm showing off or if I'm not playing correctly, she'll come over there and she'll take the sticks out of my hands. And it's only happened once but she embarrassed me in front of a lot of friends. That was really a great lesson for me because, I mean, that's where I learned, you know, the humility and the purpose that music really served in service as as well as in experiences in people's lives. You know, music is something that we, we really don't give credit for, but it really does enhance life and it does change people's minds. So, I mean, change their minds about Terrible things a lot of times and i I'm playinging sorry, but when i when i grow when growing up you know drums is the family instrument, my oldest brother played um then my young my older brother played I ended up playing um and then my youngest brother played'cause we and my introduction to jazz was because my dad took really, really great care and and pride in actually making sure we understood the root of things that we were interested at the time, and so as a kid, I was interested, like most kids, in breakdancing, you know. <laughs> we would breakdance in the house, and my dad would laugh at us, and eventually, uh, there was a documentary on swing dance, I believe it was on PBS, and my dad was like, well, if you think you can dance, check this out, dance with someone, and we, mainly me, I sat and I watched the swing dancing, and I was floored by it, Needless, needless to say, but then the the camera eventually went over to the band, which was the Basie Orchestra. And man, I got, I got hooked. The music was swinging, the cats were sharp, you know, cause as a church musician, going to church, and my mom always told us, you can tell a gentleman by his shoes, whether his shoes are shined or not. You know, we had all these things that we had to deal with. We had to shine our shoes. And, and uh, I got hooked on the band from the presentation as well as from the music. I don't know, self and subconsciously, I I kind of felt like, okay, that's a a band, that's a choir, and these people are shouting, you know, it's like church. And so from me, Big Band is still one of my favorite settings to play in because it reminds me of playing in church with choirs and stuff like that, but that was my introduction to jazz. Um, And then my older brother, Calvin, he's a saxophonist, he's actually playing one song on the album. He taught me the difference between some, some, some things that were popular and some things that really needed my attention. And he brought in an album of, um, Charlie Parker with Dizzy Gillespie. Max Roach was on drums. And, man, I mean, I'm telling you that I'm hooked the entire time with all of the different styles that jazz has brought to the table, brought to my attention. Um, but it was an early age like that. But I was introduced to it. I came back to play music for a living in 1992 when I left pharmacy school. But I did three years of pharmacy school before coming back to music. So I'm grateful that I'm back at music. I'm grateful for my past.
2: You know, you, you've won a Grammy. You've been you know pretty accomplished in this craft. What is it that you're proudest of in your career up to this point right now? Like, you've, you've gotten a Grammy. You've gotten accolades. yeah. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm most happy and I can say proud as well of the fact, honestly, that I'm, I'm able to accomplish a lot of what I've done without having to leave home, without having to move away from home. I I have a lot of respect for the experiences and everything that happens when you move to places like New York and LA and, and several other New Orleans, a lot of other hubs of the music. But um, I'm really grateful for the fact that things have worked out Um, for me staying home, being a a part of my daughter's life. You know, she was born in 94, and I couldn't move to New York because I couldn't take her, and I couldn't afford it. So I figured out a way to actually be home. I'm absolutely proud of being able to accomplish these things representing my culture, which is Gullah. And you know the Grammy comes with that nod from a, from a band that celebrates the Gala culture and music that I literally grew up playing in church. So it's full circle for me. I've been nominated a few times before we got this Grammy with other bands and with Renee Marie and twice with Renee Marie, uh, once with Freddie Cole. But it was it's with uh, Ranky Tanky that we got this Grammy, and it's and it's represented. And uh you're really holding up the gulla culture. So that's really I mean that's pretty happening I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. So what is it that you like the best about being a professional musician?
1: The best part of it, um, is manifestation of all challenges. Um what I love about it is, you know, you put this hard work in it and you put the hard work in trying to make sure you're ready for the moment. You know, you you hopefully you've prepared. Yeah, yourself. Sometimes you're not as prepared as you should be. Music is an ultimate teacher in that. Oh, you didn't prepare enough, you know? Um, so the lessons and the manifestation, um th- that, that I'm able to, uh, to, to experience on and off the bandstand, you know, you have a moment where someone decides to, to take a different direction in the music and you're prepared to go there because of the time spent on the instrument and the time spent thinking about the music in itself. And so that's that's really a life teacher for me. It's like you you're prepared for certain decisions, but then you commit to the decisions and learn lessons from that, you know? Is there a better decision to make? Yes, there's always going to be a better decision or a better choice um to make from your own thought processes. But what I also love about music is on the same instrument, different musicians you can always appreciate that mindset, another person's way of thinking about the same options. There's that. Well, I mean, I can go on and on about what
2: I really like yeah. about this music, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I dig, it. I dig it. I'm curious, too, you know, you've been around some pretty heavy headers and elder statesmen of jazz. What have you learned from them that you would turn teach younger players? Just the beauty of this music uh, is uh, is all about sharing.
1: You know, um, there are things about this music, as as well presented as the music is in institutions and in colleges and high schools, it'll never take away from the experiences of really sitting shoulder to shoulder and learning from the older musicians who are willing to share the experiences that you just can't teach from a book, you just can't teach in school, Um actually, and if you talk, even if they talked about it in school, you can't really learn it by just school. These lessons are, the things that have been shared with me from my mentors are things that also prepared me for decisions and choices in life and on on and off the bandstand. I still think about some of the things my mentor Oscar Rivers has taught me when he taught me how to sit down and listen to this music. Seriously listen to the music. I still think about those conversations and you know, it, it really helps you navigate through, through, especially as a drummer. You know, Oscar's not a drummer. Oscar was a, he's an alto saxophonist. You know, and I learned a lot of, a lot of, uh, about the music from non drummers because they, they are who hire you. You can learn from them what they expect, what they want, you know. Being able to sit down with these, these masters and, and, and listen to Ben Riley tell me, you know you play drums differently never stop doing that never stop knowing and representing where you're from learn what you can and learn all that you can in order to speak the language but you have your own accent <laughs> you know it's like you have your own interpretation of it and and it's just as true as anything else and when Ben Riley said that to me you know i mean it 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 really it made me feel pretty pretty good Pretty positive, a lot more assured about what I had to offer and what I what I have to offer. So, if you could get into a time machine and go back in time to see any musician in the history of jazz, where would you go? Who would you see? Uh, a musician, if I could go back in time to see, um, would be Max Roach in any band at any given point in time. You know, uh, Max Roach to me, I mean, he's he's my absolute. Hero about the music and everything I've ever heard Max do, whether it's with a symphony or whether it's with just duets with Dizzy Gillespie, it was the, the energy. He never sacrificed the integrity of the music whatsoever. He, I mean, Max Roach is, that's my guy. Thanks. That's a whole other five hours we can talk about, but, um, Max Roach is really. Really amazing musician who I who I never got a chance to see live.
2: So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you're the one that's living your life. Who do you think you are? What's your perception of you? Wow. My perception of myself
1: as I continue to learn who I am in life is uh, someone who honestly I, I, I'm reflective. I try to do my my best. I am grateful for opportunities. So when I'm la- when I lay down, I want to think that I've done the best I could that day. And I hope if there's anything that it comes across that I should apologize for, I hope I have an uh, an opportunity tomorrow to apologize for anything I need to apologize for. But absolutely have a chance to reflect and reapproach and try to make sure whatever I'm doing is still valid, it's still new, it's still respectful of um where it comes from. It still respects that that lineage, but pushing forward, I want every sound that I try to make to be fresh and so i i i think I think what I want is to to stay relevant to, to be timeless, stay relevant, be in the moment but also respect the past. You know, it's important. It's important to be reflective. So, and, and to try to coexist in the music. Music is a great feature to, to I mean, I, I've only played a handful of solo drum concerts. So it's always a collaboration on, <laughs> on the bandstand. And it's always, you know, as a drummer, you can really inflict your agenda on the music, or you can actually become part of what, part of the whole that actually helps orchestrate the music and make the music a lot more palatable, pr- approachable, without ac- actually sacrificing integrity or underplaying yourself, you know. So that's the thing I'm still trying to learn in life is balance, how to balance what I have to offer and also be able to listen to who's offering other other suggestions and and. Having, you know, the wherewithal to actually col- really collaborate cool. in the moment, whether that's in conversation or in music, you know, no, or, or in just plans of, of putting on another show, producing an album. As a producer, I want to make sure, as a producer, I'm fully manifesting the artist as opposed to inflicting my, my pro is and my technique on certain things. I've pushed away from albums because either I didn't feel I was good enough to actually make it anything or I just didn't feel like the person or the group was ready to be produced by me at the time. But that's all, you know, coming from me. It's not, you know, I'm too good. It's probably, I'm not good enough. So I got work to do in order to make this make something, you know? So I I have that balance of humility and something to offer, you know, I, 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 I have a, a shit ton to offer But you have to also Be a, in a place of humility To make sure that what you have to offer Is really relevant and pertinent to What's being
2: requested <laughs> Yeah, I dig it, man That's a great answer Quentin, man, thank you for taking time out today uh, Send my best to California I already missed it And good luck with the album <laughs> and the live show
0: Thank you so much, man I appreciate the time Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in South Carolina, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Quentin for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.